Well, hello and welcome to the CSF monthly podcast for July 2021. Where does time go? How can it be July already? But it is. Well, as you know, this is a podcast series that aims to keep you up to date and vigilant with all of the latest information and data available in the field of rheumatology. Well, let's um, uh, turn to psoriatic arthritis. And as you know, many patients with psoriatic arthritis do not adequately respond or maintain a response to, to current recommended therapies. And there's an unmet need, therefore, for agents that can effectively control disease activity. And today's podcast allows me to review some long-term data from a study attempting to address this, the, the phase three select PSA2 study, uh, which investigated the potential role for upadacitinib. Um, now, I'm going to cover a second paper, which is an investigation into the impact of biologic and targeted synthetic DMARDs and COVID-19 outcomes, and, and helps to address some of the knowledge gaps that we still have in this area, and highlights prioritization of risk mitigation strategies. So a, a COVID and a, and a PSA update for you on this podcast occasion. Well, let's turn first of all to a paper entitled Upadacitinib in patients with psoriatic arthritis and an inadequate response to biologics. It's a 56-week data from the randomized control phase three select PSA2 study. Uh, and in this uh, analysis, Philip Mees and colleagues evaluate the maintenance of efficacy of Upadacitinib in people with psoriatic arthritis, as well as their safety in the longer term. And the results of patients who switched from placebo to upadacitinib at week 24 are also described. Now, the background here will pretty much, as I've said, we still have unmet need in psoriatic arthritis, and it would be useful, I think, in that context to have additional therapeutic agents. This is a lifelong disease. We don't have cures available, and therefore we need options. Upadacitinib, as I'm pretty sure you're aware, is an oral reversible Janus kinase inhibitor with particular selectivity for JAK1, and it's being investigated at the moment for the treatment of psoriatic arthritis. And in the 24-week placebo-controlled period of the SELECT PSA2 study, the primary endpoint was met. Now, the purpose of this 56-week analysis was to explore the longer-term safety and maintenance of efficacy of upadacitinib in people with psoriatic arthritis, and also to look at the safety and efficacy in those who switched from placebo to upadacitinib at week 24. That was all part of the original protocol. What are the key results? Well, the efficacy of upadacitinib across manifestations of psoriatic arthritis appeared consistent and even improved through 56 weeks. The improvements were observed across endpoints assessing musculoskeletal symptomatology captured in the ACR 2050-70 profile, uh, psoriasis outcomes captured in PASI's 75, 90 and 100 levels, and also in patient reported outcomes. Now, the achievement of comprehensive disease control as measured by the MDA was maintained over 56 weeks with most patients remaining in MDA once it had been achieved. That's quite important for us in clinical practice. And across the efficacy endpoints evaluated, improvements observed for the upadacitinib 15 milligram dose were generally similar to or, or approached those of the 30 milligram dose over 56 weeks. And that's important because 15 milligrams is probably the dose we'll be using in routine practice. Patients who switched from placebo to upadacitinib at week 24 showed improvements at week 56 that approached or were similar to those in patients originally randomized to upadacitinib. 
And the event rate for serious infections was 2.6 and 6.1 events per 100 patient years in the uparacitinib 15 and 30 milligram groups, respectively. And probably not a major surprise, herpes zoster occurred more frequently with uparacitinib 30 milligrams versus 15 milligrams, although most of those cases were not serious. Well, conclusions from this, well, it shows that people with psoriatic arthritis and an inadequate response to biologic treatment have demonstrable efficacy for upadacitinib 15 and 30 milligrams, and that can be maintained through 56 weeks. The efficacy is broadly comparable across doses. The safety profile over 56 weeks was comparable with that in the double blind period and with that reported in upadacitinib rheumatoid arthritis trials. We've seen that with other agents when we move from RA to psoriatic arthritis. And there were no new significant safety signals identified, which is reassuring at this point. And these data suggest that upadacitinib could be a favorable long-term treatment option in people with PSA who are refractory to biologic therapy. However, as PSA is a chronic condition. I think we do need to be cautious. Longer term observation of the benefits of the paracetamol uh, is warranted. We always need to be careful and we'll need real world data to assist us in that regard. Now, the second paper I want to turn to is uh, associations of baseline use of biologic or targeted synthetic DMARs with COVID-19 severity and rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, results from the COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance Physician Registry. And in this paper, Jeffrey Sparks and his colleagues investigate baseline use of biologic or targeted synthetic DMARDs and then the outcomes of COVID-19 and the, the disease of interest here, rheumatoid arthritis. Well, the background here, pretty self-evident. We're still uh, transitioning a pandemic of COVID-19. Um, and although we're seeing more data in relation to COVID-19 and rheumatic diseases, the influence of treatments and COVID-19 outcomes in people with RA is still a little unclear. Uh, addressing the knowledge gaps around the influence of um, biologic and targeted synthetic DMARs in COVID-19 is a priority for our patients, for healthcare providers, and of course, um, for, for healthcare policy guidance as well. This is a major societal and political challenge. And this study used the COVID-19 Global Rheumatology Alliance Physician Registry to analyze biologic targeted synthetic DMARD use for RA at the clinical onset of COVID-19. And the primary outcome of interest was mutually exclusive ordinal COVID-19 severity outcome. No hospitalization, hospitalization without oxygen, hospitalization with oxygen under ventilation or death. Key results, well, 2,869 people with rheumatoid were included in the study, mean age 56.7 years, 80% or so were female. Overall, 613, that's 21% were hospitalized, and 157, 5.5% died. Use of rituximab or a JAK inhibitor at the time of COVID-19 infection was associated with worse COVID-19 outcomes. Uh, rituximab, the odds ratio of 4.15, and JAK inhibitors with an odds ratio of 2.06 were associated with worse COVID-19 severity compared, for example, with TNF inhibitors. There were no associations between abatacept or L6 inhibitors, uh, that's formerly L6 receptor inhibitors, and COVID-19 severity. What do we conclude here? Well, among patients with RA, use of rituximab or JAK inhibitors, but not abatacept or L6 receptor inhibitors at the time of COVID-19 infection was associated in this analysis with, with, with worse COVID-19 outcomes, and those range from hospitalization to death compared to TNF inhibitors. 
really important that we see additional studies to confirm these observations because there are all sorts of biases in terms of how the GRA data set came together. But, you know, they're the data that we have and we need to be cognizant of them. The strong association of rituximab and JAK inhibitor with poor COVID-19 outcomes highlights prioritization of risk mitigation strategies in those patients. So that at least is something for us to hang on to at the moment. Well, in addition to the two papers I've outlined today, two further papers have been uploaded to the CSF website this month. And Shuja Asai and colleagues have used a propensity score matching analysis to compare the effects of baricitinib and tocilizumab in patients uh, and disease activity in patients with RA. And a further paper from Vinod Sivipuram and colleagues have used a, a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials to assess the effect of jacinib combination therapy and malignancy in patients with RA compared to methotrexate alone. So to view all of the publications uploaded this month and to access all of the other podcasts and resources which are copious and valuable, head across the cytokinesignaling.com. And as always, we'll thank you for your attention. I hope you found this useful. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Let us know what you think by leaving a review. And most importantly of all, I wish you safe and healthy times as we continue to work through this global pandemic with the priority, of course, in caring for our patients, but also for our family, colleagues and loved ones. And please do take care of yourself, stay healthy. And I'm looking forward to joining you in another podcast coming up soon. Thanks very much for your attention.